Mondays. It's Great Mondays Radio. I'm Josh Levine, your host, founder of Great Mondays. We help executives from hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations build cultures that attract, engage, and retain top talent. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, hang out for about 20 minutes and I'll tell you how. All right. Welcome back to Great Mondays Radio. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. I am really excited about today's guest. Her name is Pavithri Kilgore, and she is an employee relations expert. She has worked with some large um, and exciting organizations building and scaling employee relations departments. And so we're going to chat with her about that. She is, um, Pavithri is the owner of KPSK Consulting. And so she does this work um, for clients and small businesses, helping them avoid government pitfalls. And Pavithri, thank you so much for coming on Great Mondays Radio. I'm excited to learn about employees relations and all the 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 wonderful challenges, let's call them, that come with that. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um Pavithri, you have a lot of expertise in employee relations. And this, you know, what I think a lot about company culture. And so I guess we can start with the intersection of those two. Um, when we think about what employee relations is, can you just define for us what that is? And then talk a little bit about how you have seen culture be impacted or culture impact the employees relations department? Absolutely. So, you know, there was a time probably about 15 years ago where large corporations kind of started building centers of excellence within HR and employee relations became this natural kind of segue inside the HR department. And at the beginning, I think it became this area where you went to make complaints. Yes. Right. It was all around labor and employment <laughs> law. It's where you went to complain about your manager because they asked you to do your job. And then it became this place where you complained because there were true grievances. And it evolved into an integral part of a department that not just worked to protect the company in how they're operating, but also had the best interest of the employees and what they were facing in the workplace. So to have a truly effective ER department, it is so important to not just have a team that understands what their job is, but at the same time understands the difference between how do you apply the laws that govern certain things to how does that fit inside the company culture and expectations. And how do you blend the two so that the company and the employee are working in a space where they can both get the best out of each other instead of against each other? So you're describing um, this moment, this transition, I feel like, from the original um, wave one HR, which is uh, you have to comply and if we, we can't go outside the law and 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 this is this is how you do it and we're we're trying to protect everybody from that but now you've got employees coming in and they're like oh look at this opportunity we actually need to bring these people along because hey those are the people doing the work 
So now we have two, it's almost like two, two clients or two customers. You've got the business entity and the employee itself. Absolutely. Right. I used to always tell my leaders, my job is to protect, but that does not make me a security guard. Yeah. Right. It is not the brick and mortar building. My job is to protect the greatest asset in the company. And that has first and foremost got to be your people. Because mm-hmm. the minute you stop protecting your people that provide the biggest value to your company, you might as well give it up. So what is your responsibility then? You are a key employee touch point. What do you, <laughs> in, in the best Best of worlds. What is your responsibility culture wise? Because you have to represent and you, I mean, there's a, there's a certain um, expectation that you're representing the organization, but you also have to guide these people and help them and communicate in the right way. Is there, maybe I'll even ask it more broadly. What is it? Not just what is, is there a responsibility? Do you feel like there have been organizations that you've worked for and within where it's not been considered and it has been considered and and the difference between the two. Yes and no, right? So the company obviously has their set of expectations and the employees has their own, right? It's very similar to saying like every story has three sides. He said, she said, and what actually happened. And I always like to say at the end of the day, my job is not what the company expects of me or what the employee expects of me, but to get as close to the truth of the situation mm-hmm. to find the best solution for both parties to be able to live amicably and have the best outcome. It's almost like a mediator. Right. And at this the- is... And that's in the that's when someone has has like you said a grievance or a problem, right? But if they don't have a grievance or a problem, they don't really come to me. <laughs> is there an opportunity? I mean, is that is that the primary function? Educate me. Is that the primary function of ER? Is hey, we're here the- to, to 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 make sure that employee grievances are handled with care. The way that it exists in the current day, I think that is a lot of what it is. In an ideal world, and what I love with the fact that I get to work with small businesses, is the proactive work we get to do, right? It's building it on the front end where you get to be the change agent before the problem happens. Exactly. Yes. This is and this is what I see. I, I think there's an opportunity here, isn't there? Always. And I think I think where the influence and the opportunity is when the companies are a small business. In education and in working with the owners in understanding the need to build that from the ground up. Mm. What I have seen a lot is these large corporations, they grow so fast. By the time an HR or an ER department comes to exist, they've already in business for five, six years. They've gone public. They're multi-billion dollar corporations. And now you're backtracking and you are constantly in this reactive mode. Mm. 
that yeah. opportunity to do education with people leaders when they are promoted as people leaders from the beginning to create that culture from the ground up doesn't exist when you are 10 steps behind in building your infrastructure. Right. right. Whereas with small businesses, you get to do it on the front end. So it, there's a dichotomy between what organizations you're talking about, if that makes sense. It does. It does. So tell me about some of the opportunities that you see with some of the so your small business clients that you wish for them to have when they grow and get public. When we're thinking about ER, what can ER do? What can employee relations do that they're not doing? What would your wish list be, right? What is your magic wand? Like, what is the possibilities here? Oh my God, it's endless, right? And it's it's so simple. I'll use one of my clients right now as an example. And this honestly, like Cement and me, I told him, I'm like, you can grow to be a thousand employees and you're going to have to fire me as a consultant because you've won my loyalties. He had his first resignation in five years. Mm -hmm. And he called me and he's like, I don't know what to do with this. I was like, well, talk to me. Like, what are you feeling? Right. He's like, well, I knew she wasn't a good fit towards the end. Her performance was lacking, but I was hoping to turn it around. But it's clear she's not happy. Forcing her to stay is not an option. I was like, okay. He's like, so he's like, one, I failed somewhere, so I need to figure that piece out. I'm like, love you. Great. He's like, but I want her to leave here with the same feeling she had the first day she walked into the company. I'm like, how do I duplicate you? <laughs> That's great. Okay, so we want leaders to think about that. Right. We put so much time and energy into how we bring somebody into the company. What do we do with them once they come into the company? Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's where we drop the ball as leaders. So what 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 would you advise this client and others to to make sure that of course, people are going to leave. How do you make sure that they leave as advocates? You know, it was very simple. It was an exit interview where he could really understand what was the turning point. Mm, mm -hmm. It wasn't, hey, why are you leaving? What happened? What Any of those. It was, what was the turning point that made you go look? And it's that true need to understand, to reflect within versus blame this individual's manager or anybody else around. It was, where did we make that mistake for you to say, this is no longer the place for me? And I thought that was, and that wasn't a question he asked his HR consultant for. That was a question he asked. And that I thought was a powerful question. And I don't know that he truly got the answer because I don't know that she truly had the answer but the other couple of things they did again in this virtual world was a virtual good luck card and on her first day at the new job this company sent her flowers wishing her luck at the new company amazing um th that's that's incredible that's and it took no time, effort, or money other than to make her know that she was cared for and they cared about her next steps. 
So how do we, so I'm interested in this. I love this reactive proactive um, dichotomy that you've described. Mm-hmm. Um, when we think about proactive employee relations departments, are we saying we want to ask those questions before someone, you know, like, how do you ask that question about your turning point before the turning point has shown up? You know what I mean? Like, how do you, is there, is there, maybe I'm just making this up, right? Maybe I'm living in my fantasy world. Is there a way to, um, get ahead of these challenges when you when you see an employee start to or you want to prevent right he said that i want to prevent the next person from going absolutely i think there's you know every fantasy has a little bit of reality in it right <laughs> okay thank you <laughs> i mean i think he is you know we have a very regimented idealistic of what a corporate culture should be and I don't know that it's being challenged enough or looked at it enough from a outside the box sort of perspective. Oh, I, teach me. All right. Tell me. So tell me what you're thinking here. We do annual performance reviews. Okay. In most companies. Of course. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you ever stop long enough to see or ask, are you surprised by this feedback at the annual reviews? From the employee's perspective, how often do you get the employee's feedback of how they evaluate their performance against how the manager sees it mm-hmm. and try to figure out why there's a discrepancy? Right. What's the gap? Why is right. there a gap? Yeah. Now, let me take that a step further and say, what if we took those annual reviews and said, chuck it and don't do annual reviews? Instead, you held each other accountable to do it on a monthly basis. That sounds like a lot, a big investment of, of time and energy. Those, those annual reviews are, are the way that we've done things forever, right? Because it's always how you've done it doesn't mean it's how you've got to <laughs> do it, right? Okay. So what are the benefits? So now you have to convince me or we have to convince leaders that some kind of monthly check-in. Right. So we don't wait for that lag time of 365 yeah. days. What is the benefit? I guess that's one of them. But what is the benefit of spending that time and energy in in, do, in sitting down with your 12 reports every month? Something like that. Because you catch those quiet quitters before they quit. Mm-hmm. If you are truly a authentically yourself leader not a one who sits down and goes i had to do this monthly so tell me what's wrong yeah okay? right. that never works i'm being forced to yeah right is truly sitting down and having those conversations you are going to find out what's going right what's going wrong and what needs to work for that person as an individual mm. and the truth is sometimes you may not be the right leader for them and that's okay. The company may not be the right company for them and yep. that's okay. Yep. And you as a leader have to be okay with that. Yeah. Because the minute it becomes about the leader is where we fail. Interesting. And if you do it more often and you are doing it in a more formalized way that the individual feels like you are invested in them, 
now you have the start of change. Well, you're starting to get um, the thing that everybody's chasing, which is engagement, right? You want, if you sit down, right? I know, amazing. What (laughs) a concept. I know, right. So everybody's chasing, leaders are always chasing improved engagement. And one of the, that's one of the promises of, you know, what I, what I help my clients with and that's improved engagement. And so when you're talking about, Hey, I'm going to sit down monthly and listen to you. The value is not just the information collection, although that is good, but it's actually the employee being seen and being heard. And, and, and I've never heard of an organization that is over-communicated. I've never heard of a, a manager who listened too much. We spent too much time uh, talking. You're missing and, a key point in there, though. Tell me. The employee feeling valued. Exactly. The employee feels I matter, which is one of the most important things that when they do these studies time and again, it's like, do I matter is the work that I'm doing what is the what is the impact of the work I'm doing? So here's this opportunity. It's a gift. Yeah. Some of my loyalist, most valued employees that have followed me from company to company has not been the ones that have worked for me the longest. Or once I have said, this is not the right company for you and this is not the right job for you. Mm-hmm. Then... Because at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's about what makes them happy and what's right for them. What's right for them, yeah. And then helping them find that next opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And you can't buy that kind of loyalty and you cannot buy that kind of commitment from employees. You have to invest in it. Yeah, right. Exactly. I can't, you can't, um, (laughs) yeah, you can't buy, yeah, you can't buy it. You can't pay for it. You can't, it's, it's, Mm-mm. it's time and energy. You spent over a year on the team, the DoorDash team, building the employee relations department. And that is a brand that I think a lot of folks are familiar with. And I'm very interested to hear a little bit about maybe a story. Uh, and one of the things I like to ask is about a win or a fail that you can share and learn, you've learned from. And I can imagine that there were probably quite a few stories and quite a few missteps, um, but also some wins, of course, while you're trying to build an employee relations department for a very non, I would say non-traditional kind of business, right? This new model of of, um, folks that are, so they have a whole, you know, the swath of staff. It's not, they're not employees and they're not customers. They're in between. Um, so there's two sides to DoorDash, right? You got the delivery, the driver's side. Yes. And then there's DoorDash corporate. I work for the corporate office. Uh-huh. Got it. Yes. So that is the traditional side of employment. Um, I will say this. Stories I can share Uh mostly covered under confidentiality. So (laughs) I won't go into a lot of details. Okay. But I will say this. I will always look back at my time at the ER team on DoorDash as one of the highlights of my professional career. Wow. Why? 
one reason. And her name is Erica Parker. Who is that? She was the director of employee relations. I've had some great mentors in my career. Mm -hmm. She's the closest thing I have had to a doppelganger. Mm. Amazing. Phenomenal leader who truly and genuinely cared about the team on the ER team. Your job can be a very draining job, right? You are constantly listening to other people's complaints and grievances and trying to work through other people's emotions. That can be draining on you. And to lead a team like that, you've got to be able to be in tune with your leaders Mm -hmm. for them to be able to lead our teams, right? Yeah. And she... Of the entire chat team, I can very honestly say she had close to 100% engagement results every single time. Wow. From a very fast-paced, very demanding job, from a very large, diverse group of opinionated individuals. How did she do it? Exactly what I said. Sat down. Constant, Constant communication. Skip levels, engagement, communication, fun. She had fun at work and she was infectious and she made sure everybody else had fun at work. Wow, that's amazing. How did she, I mean, she, like you said, is a very busy job. How did she make the time to to communicate and connect and you know some of it is formal and some of it is informal, I'm assuming. Yeah, but here's the thing though, this day and age. There's 500 million ways to communicate. Yes. Right? Yes. We had Slack. We had emails, text messages, yeah. whatever it was. It would be a silly little gif to start off on a Friday morning. That just got the ball rolling off everybody across every time zone. Yeah. And, you know, we were on the East Coast, so we'd get started. And by the time like three o'clock rolled around, the Pacific Coast is getting in on it. So yeah. it just never ended through the day. Yeah. And it was constant encouragement to use each other as that sounding board and as that gut check. Hmm. It, um, yeah. It was truly one of the best places, best teams I was ever part of. That's incredible. So it was really, she took it on as her responsibility to care and support the team in an authentic way. It sounds like she really, this was a great fit. This is her, she found her her a good fit in a job that she found a lot of joy and purpose in. You know, it's funny you say that because I never really thought or looked at it as she took it upon as her responsibility. It was just who she was authentically as a human being inside and outside of work. Mm. And, you know, she had three senior managers, me and two others, and it almost made it so that it was easy for us to be us. Mm. So it was like this trickle down effect of genuine caring that just went all the way from top down, that it was almost second nature, if that makes sense. Huh. So if you really care, if you're able to engage and care, then your your reports, your team 
are going to follow that lead. So that's the culture she built for mm-hmm. your, your relations team. Yeah. And it's the culture I've been craving my entire career. Mm. Amazing. Are there any other stories? You've, you've worked at a lot of different organizations. Are there any other stories where you, you're, it was a, like that. It was like, this is how you do it. This is what I'm taking away from this. This is what I'm learning. What is there some kind of um, something that you've carried with you from one of your previous engagements um, building employee relations teams? Good and bad at every place, right? So I think at every company, I've taken away something that has stayed with me. And at the same time, there's been something that made me go, oh, I am never doing that. <laughs> right. It's a learning right? Right way, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to a part, it's made me who I am today. And it's made yeah. my company what it is today, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest lessons in my life I took away is never make a company slogan publicly if you don't live it internally. So don't express it to the world if it's not authentic if it's not actually create it's not not something you're following internally if you don't make your employees feel like that's what you actually do to your employees that's i could not agree more the inside has to master the outside yep and that i think is a lesson that has stayed in the back of my head as i've built out my company as i look at growing mine i think that's i think that's success I think that's culture success is to be able to, I think that's where it's going. The future of, of this is internal and external. Absolutely, right? If you're going to publicly say, this is who we stand for, then your employees better be able to stand up and say, yes, I believe it. Yep. And if your employees can't stand up and say that, then sorry. Right. You're doing What's, something wrong. Something, Something's going to happen. It's going to break, right? <laughs> it's already broken. It's already broken. <laughs> and it might break out in public. Egg, yeah. 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 And, you know, again, this day and age, what's that Warren Buffett thing? Takes decades to build a reputation, five seconds to ruin it. Yes, exactly. All it takes is one tweet. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. And you're like, yep. yeah, for sure. One of the things that one of the, the mantras that I try to, you know, help my, my community and my clients see is it's better to spend the time confronting and, and addressing your culture before you also have to confront a, a crisis as well. Yep. And, and that's what we're trying to do here is make it better so it doesn't get worse. And admit fault. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say, hey, we made this mistake. Yeah. Admit fault. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think employees and uh, humans, employees and customers, communities are willing to understand that you're a human if you aren't afraid to acknowledge that. That's okay. Yeah. Leaders are so fearful, I have observed, of making a mistake that even and when, when it does happen, they run away as fast as possible. They try to cover it up. But I think you actually earn some of that brand when Absolutely. you're like, that was, an, that was an error. 
that was an honest mistake and and we apologize that we you know we're going to learn from it and i think people are willing to do that i think honestly i think i've earned more respect from people by saying i don't know the answer let me find out mhm than i have just randomly spouting something out yeah absolutely amazing thank you so much for teaching me about uh employee relations it's it was and and challenging ideas about culture this has been really wonderful uh pavithri kilgore is the owner uh, and founder of kpsk Con- consulting um, you can learn more about her at kpskconsulting.com she works with small businesses so they can get it right before they scale and go public <laughs> and i want them all to go public that's right. Exactly. Uh, Pavithri, thank you so much for coming on Great Mondays Radio. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio. Hey, if you want to be a guest, head over to greatmondays.com slash radio. We'd love to hear from you. And if you think this episode was interesting and your friends and fans would enjoy it, please share on social media. And if you want to get more people to understand the power of company culture in business today, please rate and review Great Mondays Radio on your podcasts app or podcast feed. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to make sure to hear more candid conversations with culture leaders, subscribe to Great Mondays Radio. And I'd love to connect with you. Find me on LinkedIn at aka Josh Levine on YouTube at Great Mondays. And you can always email me, josh at greatmondays.com. Find out more about our work with hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations or grab a copy of our book at greatmondays.com. I'm Josh Levine. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio.